you have a Bible tonight, we're going to be in the Gospel of John in chapter 6. Gospel of John in chapter 6, I appreciate the presence of each one. Appreciate our, our, my pastor being here, uh, preacher brother, also the visitors, uh, family that showed up. I appreciate everybody's uh, prayers as well as we try to get across what God has laid on our heart. Last night, if, if you missed the service, we, uh, we talked about the, the big G and the little me. Uh, putting God in his place, uh, recognizing him as, as being essentially larger than life, uh, especially being larger than the other things in our life. Uh, as oftentimes we put things such as uh, social life and, and sports and sometimes even family and, and family affairs and, and Facebook while we're sitting in church uh, ahead of God. Uh, and, and all too often we see God as smaller than what he really is. And so last night we talked a little bit about where we see God and tonight I want to talk a little bit kind of like what the song was about. I absolutely love the song, I Know a Man Who Can. Because deep down, if, if we're saved, we know a man who can. And, and we know a man who can. And, and then there's, there's a dot, dot, dot. Because you can fill in the blank. We know a man that can, can do anything. We know a man that can do everything. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in John in chapter 6. John in chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 19. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea. And drawing nigh unto the ship, they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. And they willingly received him into the ship. And immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing all of us with health and strength. Be safe here again tonight, Lord. Thank you for the wonderful day that you've blessed us with. Thank you for the good rains in our way, Lord. Thank you for all the blessings of life you've given us. Help us that in a greater way, Lord, that we could understand that we would not take for granted where our blessings come from, Lord, that we could always be thankful and we could always be mindful of, of how big you are in our life. Lord, help us as we open your word tonight, Lord, that we could be we could be mindful of how great you are and how great you can be and should be in our life. Lord, help us that, that we'll be willing and able to receive what you'd have to say to us tonight through your word. Lord, cleanse the message from, from my faults and errors. Help us throughout this night, Lord, that it could truly be a revival this week and not just a, a series of services, not just a gathering of a church, Lord, but a true revival in the heart and the families and in the communities. And Lord, in this church that we ever so desperately need lord most of all if it be a lost one here among us i pray that tonight could be the night they turn except christ as their savior thank you most of all for jesus and him we have hope of eternal life and everlasting life lord in him we have hope of salvation and is that precious holy name of jesus christ we pray amen we read here of an account and we all know that, that jesus came walking on the sea and and he said it is i be not afraid and i want to focus in on that next verse because i find something really interesting there and, and it says, then they willingly, then they willingly received him. That word willingly there is, is, is strange to me. Because at first they were afraid. If I saw somebody walking on the water out toward me, I would be too. It's not something you see every day. It's really not. And, and so they had, they had rowed way out in the sea. And they saw Jesus come walking on the water. They were afraid. Not only were they afraid, Jesus knew that they were afraid. Whenever we hit something in our life, before we ask God for it, he knows it. Before we come to, to sense within ourselves to ask God to help us with a situation, he knows what we're facing. Before they were visibly afraid to each other, 
before they hollered at, at Jesus and said, we're scared, Jesus knew. He said, be not afraid. He said, it is I. Then they willingly received him. How often do we allow God to help us in our life? And then how often do we try to do it ourselves? I've always been a do-it-myself type of person. I always have. If it's broke, I want to try to fix it. There's nothing that, that I've ever come across that, that if I couldn't fix it, I didn't believe with my whole heart that my daddy couldn't fix. Nothing. If I had a problem, he could fix it. When Papa was around, if, if daddy couldn't fix it, he would call Papa and Papa could fix it or tell him how to. There wasn't much that, that between the two of them that, that the, the problem that I had that they couldn't fix, that they couldn't offer a solution to. But regardless of how much of a do-it-ourselfer we may be, there comes a time when there's problems that, that we can't fix with a hammer and even with intelligence, with a piece of tape or with a computer, even with a cell phone. Because God holds all the answers, Google don't. All too often we rely on the things of this world before we allow God to help us. Here, if, if they would not have willingly received him into this ship, I'm not sure what entirely would have happened. But I don't think the rest of the ride would have been a pleasant ride. It said, for whenever they received him into the ship, immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Immediately the ride was over. Immediately they were back to safety as soon as they willingly received Jesus. All too often today we, we allow God to be a last resort. We allow God to be the last thing that we depend on. We allow him to be a, a just-in-case, a safety net. Instead of actually being the, the God of our life. Last night we talked about the big G and the little me. It's not all about how much I can fix. It's not all about how much I can do. It's not all about how much I can, how far I can go. The big changes that I can make. The truck that I can fix. The fence that, that I can take care of. The leaky roof that I can patch. It's not about how much I can do. Even if we can, God allows us to. It's about how much he lets us. It's about how much he does through us. It's about how much he allows us to do. And so tonight, the, the, the burden that's on my heart is why don't we let God help us? We know we need his help. We, we, we talked the last couple of nights about, about in prayer service about how churches are, are in trouble. Even across the Bible Belt of America, churches that have closed their doors recently there are churches that the the population if you will has fallen off there are churches where the young people don't don't run around quite as much as they used to and there are churches who have lost that that great holy spirit connection that they used to have because we won't let god help us because we think it's about me there's people and there's families that have fallen away from God, individuals and groups on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, that, that fall away from God, that, that get so dependent on what I can do in this life and, and trying to keep up with the Joneses and running this rat race and running so fast that, that it's, it's still about me. But it's not. And I tell you what, that is a really, really hard thing to get past. Because from this big... We were taught to share, right? Why do you have to teach children to share? Because they think it's all about them. 
It is in our nature. We're not supposed to know how to share. We're supposed to be taught how to share. Because growing up, it's not about who has that toy. It's about who has my toy. It's not about who come in second place. It's about how good I came in first place. It's not about how well everyone else is doing in their life and and congratulating and loving them. It's about how I measure up to them because it's about me. I'm here to tell you it's not. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us allowing God to use our life for his honor and glory. Because that's the reason we're here. That's the point to it all. Allowing God to use our life because he can make us great. He can do things in our life that that we can't even fathom. We can't comprehend it. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke. Luke in chapter 12. All too often, we we can't get past me. We just can't do it. There's, There's no way. It's all about me. It's all about I. And that is a very, very dangerous place to be. In Luke in chapter 12, we read of a man who was in that place. We read of a man who who the whole world revolved around him. I want you to follow with me, and I'm going to tell you exactly where he ended up. Luke in chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus speaking here. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. There we go. Verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say unto my soul, So, now as much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now I'm going to go through this one more time, and I want you to realize how many times he said I, and how many times he said me. In verse 17, but he thought within himself, it's all about him. What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He never says anything about who made the fruits grow. He never said anything about who gave the increase. He never said anything about who gave him the ability and the strength to go out and and to harvest. We continue down in verse 18. And he said, this will I do. I will tear down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Whenever we get hung up on ourselves, we start to take it easy because we don't even have a vision of God anymore. We don't, even, we don't even have that connection to the Holy Spirit that we're supposed to have because it's all about me. We talked yesterday about the, about the circle and whenever you start dividing it among the things that we have in this life, God's part gets smaller and smaller and smaller. If any of you know anything about hydraulic systems, I, I use a very simple illustration to teach my students at school. You take a string about 14 inches long and you run it through the middle of a paper towel holder. And you hold that paper towel holder steady in the middle. 
And whenever you pull one side of that strain, the other side comes this way. And whenever you pull the other side of the strain, it goes that way. One side cannot move without the other side coming. In the same way, if we begin to tug on that strain and we begin to make our life more important and we begin to focus more on our things and our possessions and, 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 and verse 15 says that, that a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. But whenever we start tugging on that string and we start adding more and more and more to me, the other end of that string is our connection to God. And if we start adding and adding and adding to the things that we have, and it's all about me and it's all about my life and it's all about what I'm going to do and what I'm going to be, then we start leaving out God. And the first time we do it, we may not pay very much attention to it. It may hurt. It may be an excuse. The second time we do it, it's going to hurt a little bit less in the third and the fourth and the fifth. And before long, we're not going to realize it anymore. That we put aside, that we, that we let family Bible time go. That we stop reading with each other. That we stop reading by ourselves. That we stop going to church on Wednesday night. That we started missing a couple of Sunday nights here and there. That our prayer life has suffered. That we have lost the burden for the lost souls that we're supposed to have. Because we got so caught up on the abundance of things that we possess. Verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? What's the things of this world going to amount to? The Bible says the world will burn up our possessions with them. Money burns. Barns burn. Houses burn. Even if you invest in gold, whenever God destroys this earth, the gold will burn. And then what do you have? If you invested your whole life into this world, you have nothing. Everything that you have has been destroyed. The only alternative is to allow God to help us. To allow God back into our life where he belongs. Not only to allow him back into our life, but to allow him back at the top of our priority list where he belongs. But the kicker to that is, is that word allow, is that word willingly that we read about. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke in chapter 17. Luke in chapter 17, verse 12, a very, very common illustration. About the lepers. Luke chapter 17 verse 12. As he entered, talking about Jesus, into a certain village, they met him ten men, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. At some point in our life, we're all lepers. At some point in our life, we need Jesus. Even after salvation, we can still become leprous, if you will, because we can still fall away from our walk with Christ. We can still uh, fall away from, from reading our Bible, from being that, that wannabe Christian that we're supposed to be. I struggle using the word Christian because it, it's supposed to mean Christ-like. 
And as much as I want to be, I'll never get there. But I try every day to be a Christian. And, it's, and so if we're supposed to be a Christian in our everyday life, at some point in time, we're going to mess up. Because nobody in here is perfect. Nobody. But whenever we mess up, we have to allow God back in. We do that by having faith. Jesus said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, three words right there, as they went. If they would not have turned around, they would not have been cleansed. I believe that with everything in me. If they would have not allowed God to help them, God to, Jesus to, for his words to mean something, then they wouldn't have been cleansed. They would have stood there. Leprosy was an outcast disease. They, they weren't allowed into the city. If they saw somebody coming, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean. Couldn't be around anybody except other lepers. It was a bad condition to be in. Same thing happens whenever we fall out of fellowship with God. The same thing happens before we accept Christ as our Savior. Because without Him, we talked about last night, the branches cut off, we can do nothing. Without Him, we are nothing. But in order for Him to, to graft us back in, in order for us to become part of the vine, we have to allow Him to take hold of our life. We have to believe on His Word. They say that life don't come with an instruction manual, but it does, and we all know that, that this is our instruction manual. The lepers were cleansed because they believe on the Word of God. How often do we believe on the Word of God? I'm sure nobody in here, I couldn't convince you with everything that's in me, that, and I wouldn't try, that God does not exist. Even the youngest kid in here that, that has a, a small understanding of Sunday school knows that Jesus died on the cross. That Jesus raised from, was raised from the dead. But friend, don't let that 16 inches between what you know in your head and what you believe in that heart cost you an eternity in hell. Because it can. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because whether or not these lepers knew what Jesus said was true, they were not cleansed until they acted on that. We can know all we want what God wants us to do. We can know all we want that God wants us to, to go, that he wants us to be that light, that he wants us to show his love to every creature on the planet, that he wants us to be an encouragement, that he wants us to reach out and help somebody that needs it, that he wants us to exemplify that, that love that Jesus showed us, that God showed us, and we can know that, I mean, with every fiber of our being. But what have, what have we done if we don't act on it? If we still sit on a knot on, like a knot on a log and do absolutely nothing about it, what has it benefited us? It's done absolutely nothing for us. Whenever a pond sits still, don't really go up and down, don't have much of a spillway. Even when it rains a lot, it may come up a little bit, but not a whole lot. It's a little bit of sunshine, but don't get a whole lot. We call that a stagnant pond. No water running through it. Most of the time, you may get one or two fish in it to survive, but with no oxygen, most of the fish aren't going to survive. If you let it keep going, it's going to start to stink. Things are going to start rotting around it. Why does this happen? Because nothing ever stirs the water. Nothing ever changes. Everything remains the same. Do we get hung up on, on the same thing? Does coming to church become monotonous? 
Just reading our Bible become monotonous. Do we say the same prayer over and over out of memory rather than begging God to help us? Rather than being thankful to God for everything that He's done for us. Because if we started right now and attempted to make a list, we could not finish in our lifetime. Couldn't do it. Yet we'll stand up and, and or we'll sit down and, and we'll say the same prayer over and over again and and we'll get to the point that it becomes monotonous. That rather than having a conversation with God, we're we're praying so that everybody will hear us. And not so much that, that God will hear us. And we're not going to allow God back in our life because we've become stagnated. There hadn't been a change in us in a while. There's been no action. There's been nothing there that 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 God can use. We've become stuck. That word revival is is often thrown around as being a a, a big time worshiping service. I mean, people singing and people being saved and. And to me, that word means a change. It means an uplifting. It means a, a revelation in our hearts, realizing exactly where God belongs. Realizing exactly what God is. Realizing exactly what God can do. Because if we become stagnated, God can reoxygenize that water, if you're still with the metaphor. God can unstagnate that pond. Not sure if that's a word, but we're going to go with it. God can unstagnate our lives. God can take us from being a stagnant pond and turn us into a wonderful place to go fishing. God can turn us into whatever we allow Him to. That's what it boils down to. If the lepers would have stood there, they would have never been cleansed. If they would not have turned, if they would not have, have believed Jesus and done something about it, they would have never went any further. The rest of their life, they would have been a leper. We can know, we can think all we want. But if we don't believe in our heart, if we don't surrender ourselves to Christ, if we don't get me out of the way, then it's, it's just words. It's just thoughts. There's no action behind it. It's just nouns. And without a noun and a verb, you can't have a sentence. That's second grade English. You have to have something to talk about. You have to have your noun. But without action, it means nothing. That's how you fail second grade English. You have to have action. At some point in our life, we have to have action. If you're here and unsaved... You may know that Jesus died on the cross. You may know that Jesus raised from the dead. You may know that Jesus came to die because we cannot live a perfect life. But no matter how much you know until you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Savior, that He did come to die for you, then nothing can change. If you're here and saved and your relationship with God is not where it should be until we realize that, that we have to do something about it. That we can't continue to come to church and, and be stagnated and be sitting here and, and be wondering what time is he going to shut up and stop? When are we going to? What are we going to eat for supper? I wonder what basketball game is on tonight. No. No. Until we put God first in our life, until we allow him to use us, we're going to be the same not on the log that we was a year ago. 
Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus in chapter 12. I got mine marked, so I'm going to get there a little quicker. Book of Exodus in chapter 12. Most of you know the story. It's, it's very, very common. I'm not telling you anything that's new. Book of Exodus in chapter 12, down about verse 12. Book of Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all firstborn of the land of Egypt, born of man and beast. And against all gods of Egypt, I will execute my judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. When he saw the blood, the blood didn't just appear on the, the doorpost of the house. It didn't just show up. They couldn't wish it up there. They couldn't want it up there bad enough. They had to do something about it. If they wanted to save what was in that house, they had to do something about it. Friend, if we want to save what is within our house... If we want to lay up treasures in heaven, then we have to do something. Once the blood has been applied, it's, it's not over. It's not over. In the Bible, we read of atonements for sins were, were sacrifices and you had to go through the priest. And here today, our high priest is God. Excuse me, our high priest is Jesus. And we simply ask him for forgiveness. We don't have to go kill anything. All too often, we, we forget. We get lazy. We just simply don't recognize the shape that we're in. We don't allow God to be in that position in our life. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. If he didn't see the blood, if the people did not change, if the people did not put forth an effort, then death entered into their household. The firstborn of man and of beast. God was going to get their attention or he was going to see an example of their faith. We read about Jonah. God got his attention. We read about Lot. God got his attention. Friend, you don't want God to have to get your attention. I don't want God to have to get my attention. We all have places in our lives that we have failed. Myself included. We all have places in our lives where we should be closer to God than we are. Well, we should read and study more than we do. Well, we should love in a stronger way than we do the lost and dying world that's around us. But all too often, we simply don't. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 10. The word believe is a verb. I looked it up. Webster says it's a verb. You may argue with me. But that's what Webster says. It says to accept as real and as genuine. And whenever something is real and genuine, it's solid. It's a word my brother loves to use. He said it's solid. That means it's there. It's real. We can depend on it. God wants us to depend on him for everything in our life. God wants us to get me out of the way and, and put him in the forefront of everything that we do. But in order to do that, first the blood must be applied. 
If you're here and lost, I want you to listen to me in, in Romans in chapter 10. In verse 9, if thou shalt confess, another verb, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe, another verb, in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Friend, if you're here and lost, then nothing is going to change between here and hell for you until you understand that you're a sinner, until you confess that you're a sinner in need of salvation. Until you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins and for my sins. That he was judged on that cross for your sins and for my sins. And that he bore the hell that we were due at Calvary. Not only that, he conquered hell. He conquered death and the grave and he rose again on the third day. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter and it's not all about the Easter bunny. But until you believe it in your heart, know that in your head will get you all the way to hell. Until you believe it in your heart, you have nothing. We talked last night about all we are is zeros. Until we put God at the beginning of us, uh, beginning of our number line, we have no value. If you go through life unsaved, you will never have a value. You can accumulate all you want on this earth. Whenever you die and go to hell, Whenever you're burning in, in a tormenting flame, everything that you have on this earth means nothing. Everything that you've ever done on this earth means nothing. The Bible says that, 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 that judgment, people are going to say, well, I cast out devils in your name. And God's, Jesus is going to say, depart. I never knew you. They didn't believe. They may have knew in their mind. They may have thought in their head. But until you believe it in your heart, with every fiber of your being, until you surrender your will and your life to Jesus, any of none of that means anything. If you're here and saved and, and you've slipped away from Christ, God is calling you to come back. God is telling you, I can take care of you. I can change that stagnation to something that can be pleasant. I can change your life. I can turn you around. God can use us in a mighty way. But we have to be willing we have to allow him. Whenever God says go, we have to turn around in faith and walk away. We have to prioritize him in our everyday life. And we have to understand that God is larger than us. That God's will is larger than us. That God's work is larger than me and you. But we also have to understand that it is a true blessing and privilege to be a part of that. I have a verse of a song. If you have anything on your heart.